Hey y'all, welcome to Life Not Wasted, a podcast hosted by Amanda Hill and Molly Eiler. We're two friends from Texas who got sober in our 20s and are now trying to figure life out in our 30s. So grab your booze-free beverage of choice and join us each week for candid conversations about sobriety, spirituality, and how to live a life not wasted. Hey guys, for this episode of the Life Not Wasted podcast, we are posting a throwback episode, which is basically episode zero. This is the conversation that started it all. It was just Molly and I talking about the upcoming holidays and how we navigate them sober. And the conversation went so well that Molly was kind of like, should we start a podcast? (laughs) And obviously the rest is history. So we hope you enjoy this little throwback episode and hope you enjoy your holidays. Enjoy. I'm so excited that you hopped on here today because um, I've been talking to a lot of people recently about the holidays coming up. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of your tips and tricks for how to stay sober and also like sane and damn near happy, although that's lofty um, because you are... Yeah, exactly. You are um, a mental health professional. You are sober. You are my friend. And um, I would just love to hear, um, first off, how you got to where you are today, um, Mm -hmm. how you got sober, what stands out in that journey. Sure. I love that you call me young. Um, I forget how, I forget. Yeah, you're like, we're youngish. Like I'm still (laughs) full adult, but yeah. So I've been sober for almost five years now. It'll be five years in February. And I really just saw my life kind of heading into a path that I wasn't down with. Um, I was just, you know, all those choices and all those things that I saw other people doing and choices I saw them making that I was like, I'll never do that. I will never get accidentally drunk. You know, like I was doing all those things. And um, I found myself just like, my standards were lowering so quickly. And finally, I just had this wake up call. And I was like, what are we doing here? And like, why do we think this is okay? And it was hard, because I had come so close to consequences. Mm. But I never really had any of those consequences, right? Like, I had come so close to car accidents, never had a car accident when I was I had come, I I mean, I never really got close to losing my job, but should I have? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, But like, you know, none of those things ever happened. And so it was really just this moment of self-awareness and clarity where I was like, what's happening? And by the way, I, it was the first time I realized I am unhappy and Mm -hmm. I'd always been such a happy and outgoing person. And finally it was like, no, that's a lie. I'm lying to everybody. Um, and it's funny because it was, I got sober in February and it was right around November where all that stuff started to happen and, uh, like early November. And so I just, you know, think back to those times and I think back to how tough holidays are because I think holidays are tough for everybody sober, not sober, needing to get sober and everywhere in between. Yeah. Because there's so many expectations on holidays. Yeah. Whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, there's so many expectations and 
uh, nine times out of 10, those expectations aren't going to be met. And then you're left the day after or the day of being like, well, I really wanted the pony (laughs) and I didn't get the pony. And you were never going to get the pony. And in your brain, you told yourself, maybe, maybe, maybe they're hiding the pony out back. They said they had to run an errand. Are they going to get the pony? And you're never going to get the pony. (laughs) And that's hard for people. But you're going to see someone on Instagram that got a pony. Someone got the pony. Someone got the pony. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when, um, oh, there was this one time with a bunch of girlfriends and we were all like sitting around dinner you know, back when people used to go to dinner. Yeah. And um, like, who did that? Yeah. And um, one of our friends was going, was about to go to the beach with her boyfriend. And there's like five or six of us at the table and they were all like, oh, do you think he's going to propose? And I was like, why did you say that? Why did you say that? Because now the whole time she's going to be thinking he's going to propose. And if he doesn't propose this beautiful beach beach vacation that she just spent all this money on and took time off of work and planned and got the blowout and the manicure and the pedicure and the clothes and whatever, she's going to be miserable. Yeah. Every dinner, she's going to be like, this is my right (laughs) hand and this is not an engagement. Yeah. Be like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen today? And then she's going to be pissed at him the whole flight back when he didn't propose, right? And those friends at the di- dinner table are in my head all the time. Yeah. Is this it? Is this going to be the time? Is, are you, every time I walk into church, are you going to meet your soulmate today? Like yeah. every, no, I'm not. It's not going to happen. So I think whether you're sober or not, holidays can be tough because of expectations. And one of the hardest things to do and the easiest things to say is just keep your expectations realistic. Yeah. And I think when I was drinking, and, you know, considerable amount of time after my expectations were just so high and, uh, I never felt like I met them. And, you know, that last few months of drinking was, I, I didn't go to treatment. I, um, was in some pretty significant counseling because I was on antidepressants. I had been on antidepressants since I was, well, anti-anxiety medication, mm-hmm. um, since I was 14 and I was 26. So a lot of my life I had been on medication and they tell you not to drink on that medication. And I just didn't care and go figure my medication wasn't working. And so I initially went to counseling because I was like, my medication's not working anymore. I'm having anxiety attacks. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling tired all the time. Um, I'm unhappy. And I, I just, I think I need new medication and my psychiatrist, (laughs) who I saw on Skype because it was my psychiatrist from high school in New Jersey, where I grew up for $415 for a 15 minute session, told me, um, I'm not prescribing you any new medication. I'm not authorizing any refills unless you stop drinking. And that person had known me since I was 14. Um, when I was going through anxiety and eating disorder and all of those things in high school. And she, she'd known me since then. And, and for her to say that, I was like, well, first of all, she said, how much are you drinking? And it was the first time I had been honest and said too much. The very first time. And I was in a conference room in the office of my ad agency, where I work, my eight person office in the conference room on Skype telling her this. And that was, that was a big low for me. 
like that was a big low point for me where I was like I can't lie anymore and I can't I can't pretend like it's okay you know if I had skipped another half a beat I would have lied I would not have been honest something in me said you need to be honest right now and that kind of kick-started the whole thing for me um you know, working with a counselor and trying really hard and, and her patience with me. Oh my gosh, that woman is amazing. Um, she had so much patience with me to just let me try all these different things and fail and put my feet down and say, I am not an AA person. I'm not that person. I, that's not, those aren't my people. I'm not doing it. And then finally, one day I just found myself at work Googling, like, where are AA meetings and going? And, you know, it's just, it was different. It was different then. She knew and I knew I had to kind of come to it in my own time. You know, I was still trying to quit drinking and failing at quitting drinking and, you know, saying I will only have two drinks and then having seven and, you know, all those things. And had I not gone through those experiences, I, I probably wouldn't believe that I had an alcohol problem because I wasn't drinking every day. I wasn't drinking um, at home by myself, really. Like I, I had wine in my house, but I would, it was weird. I would drink like one glass of wine at home and then kind of be done. Um, and not even every night, but when I went out, if I went out with the intention with friends, with the intention of like, I'm going to have one glass of wine and go home. It never worked. Or I'm going to go out and I'm just not going to drink tonight. It never worked. I'm going to go on vacation with my family and I'm going to have two beers or two drinks at a time and then move on. It never worked. And had I not had those experiences today, five years later, I would probably think to myself, well, you probably don't have an alcohol problem, but I know that once I start, I can't stop and I can't regulate. And that, that, that I, I don't need, I don't want to start again. <laughs> um, holidays are so hard. Yeah. There's so many different triggers. Um, I'm blessed with a wonderful family that I genuinely enjoy being around, holidays or not. Um, but I know that's not the case for everyone. And families can be really triggering. I know families, different relationships with alcohol can be so triggering. It's just hard. And just recognizing, I think, one of the most important things is to just recognize, like, maybe my holiday experience, whether whatever holiday it is, isn't going to be that picture perfect Instagram holiday that everyone else is having. And that's okay. Everyone else is having. You're not going to get the pony. No, you're not going to get the pony. And I, I want the pony, um, no. but I'm not going to get the pony. And, no. you know, it's been hard for me because I've wanted, and, you know, my pony has been different things in the past five years, it's been the job, it's been the time management, it's been the house, it's been the husband, it's been the kids. And I still really want all those things. If I'm being really honest, I still really badly want all of those things. But God doesn't, God, that's not God's plan for me right now. Am I in acceptance of that 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Absolutely not. Do I get really upset with God and think like, why are you doing this to me? What are you trying to teach me? Have I not learned it yet? It's been long enough. I feel like I've learned this. 
I feel like it's time for me to get that carrot that I've been working towards and it's just not my time. And will it ever be my time? I don't know. Maybe something, I don't know. That's not for me to know, but you know, maybe all the different things that I've been wanting, I've wanted aren't really what I've wanted. No, I get that. I get that a lot. And I think that the the expectations and those desires um, have played a big part in my, my life as well, because I, I'm like, I expect every romance to be like the notebook. And I expect every party to be like the parties I see on TV, where it's like the 10 second clip with the best music and you don't see anyone sick afterwards. You don't see any drama. And I, I can get that in my head, like the, the fairy tale of what it's going to be like. And then the holiday happens or the party happens and it's just normal. Like it's not the highest high. Um, and I can find myself really disappointed in that, but now in sobriety, I realize that, you know, I'm not artificially ramping up my night, but it's also not crashing the way that it used to, you know, like I remember bringing like a, bo- a magnum bottle of Chandon champagne to Christmas and being like, why doesn't everyone want to drink? It's 10 a.m. Like, wh- why would you not want to drink this? And it, it's like, yeah, that it's not going to be like, the the feelings you had when you had those first two classes and you were just like, oh, the world is perfect. But it's also not going to be after your eighth when it like all the shit is hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be that plateau and that's okay. You know, it's going to have like little, little ups and downs. But what is that saying where it's like, it's not like, it's not like the roller coaster. It's like the lasagna noodle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like, you're not going to have the high highs, but you're also probably not going to have the low lows. Right. And I'm going to be actually able to engage with my friends and family in a way that won't lead to some huge emotional hangover afterwards. Um, right. I won't owe anyone an apology, most likely, right. mine, but probably won't. And those weren't, those weren't part of the reality when I was drinking. No. You know, and- that just wasn't, wasn't a thing. No, no. And it's really hard because I remember my first holidays, my, my cousin's wedding. I was a nightmare at my cousin's wedding. Some people recognize it. Other people didn't recognize it. But I carry around a lot of shame from the way I behaved. And, you know, that shame really stuck with me. My cousin's, a couple of different weddings, actually. Like my cousin's wedding, one of my best friend's weddings. I still carried a lot of shame in the way that I behaved. And, you know, I got mine in the end because I had like a 48 hour hangover from each of those and just like had to go and like the however many hundred dollar bar tab and like all the things that I just had to like chip away at. But that first holiday after where I wasn't drinking was hard for me. And the, or the first time I saw those people in like a like a holiday or family or party setting, because you feel like you have to go back and explain yourself, or you feel like you have to go back and apologize. And you know, amends are part of the process, but holidays might not be the right time. And like big family right. gatherings, 
probably not the right time to have those conversations. And so, you know, maybe something that people who are in that situation, you know, it's your first holiday sober or your, you know, first X, Y, Z sober. It's just live your truth, your new truth and be it. And, you know, if people would like to have a conversation with you about it, you can maybe say like, I would love to have that conversation with you next week, but I really would think we should enjoy our holiday with our family today or what, you know, whatever, but you know, just show that you are a different person show that you have changed, show that you've moved on, show that you've put in the work that you're doing it. And, um, that, that will come through. And, you know, I, I like your analogy with the lasagna noodle because a lasagna noodle is still not perfect. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people have this expectation too, that like, when you get sober, everything's going to be perfect and you're going to get the job and you're going to get the guy and you're going to have the kids in the house and all the things and nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. And you and I both know from personal experience, that's just not true. Right. And, uh, so keeping that in mind that like the first sign of a bad thing is not like, well, this sobriety thing, isn't it? Right. No, totally. I, yeah, I relate a lot. And my, you know, I got, I was, I was lucky that I got sober. My sobriety date is in August. I think the, the relief that I felt no longer having to drink or having to choose how to moderate or what's too many. And like the obsession was, was gone when I just took it all off the table mm-hmm. because I'm just not going to drink. And, mm-hmm. and through obviously working the 12 steps and being a part of a 12 step program, that was way easier for me in that moment of adrenaline, like you're newly sober than trying to moderate. It was way easier for me to enjoy myself when I realized, oh, this is better for everyone mm-hmm. if I don't drink. And I'm not, I am so much more at peace, not thinking about how to moderate and inevitably how to fail at moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just taking it completely off the table. I think that that relief was very apparent to people in my my first few holidays. But I yeah. mean, I know we're, we're coming up on the holiday season right now of like Thanksgiving and Christmas, but, and, and Hanukkah and all, you know, all the New Year's and, but in those first few times, like my holidays was like a bachelorette party to Mexico within my first 30 days of being sober. Viva Mexico. <laughs> Viva Mexico and tequila and mas, mas, mas. Like, yeah, it was, it was brutal because I, I was yeah. still in that phase where like, I really wanted to be a part of it. But the more you're sober in those big party environments, or at least for me, I'll speak from my own experience, the more I was sober in those big environments, the more I realized that if people were getting drunk, they were intentionally getting drunk. Yeah. I would get drunk on accident, like where I walk in being like, I'm going to just moderate and just have my little bottle of wine here. And then all the wine would be gone. And I'd be like, when are we going to get more? Right. You know, and they were either, if people were getting sloppy, it was because they chose to, because they wanted to. And that and was just really see the differences between yeah. the way we drank and they did. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it was like, now my husband's what we call a normie, like a normal drinker. 
Um, and in, in, it's bizarre. I don't get it at all, but I'll watch him at those parties and he will maybe, I don't know, have one, maybe set it down. No, I'm like, that thing was glued to my hand and I was mm-hmm. chugging. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and when it got halfway, I was recycling through to get another one because of course, God did. Of course. Yeah. And, and he's just like, well, you know, I guess I'll set it down and. I don't know. You want to go? No, you chug the drink before you go. Like, why would you just leave it there? Um, and the more I'm sober and in those situations and see how different people thinking is around drinking um, than mine was, I'm like, oh, that's why you can still drink and I don't have any business drinking mm-hmm. because this whole party would be empty right now Yeah, if I had my way. Well, and Yeah. I love what you said about like the relief when the decision is off the table, because Mm -hmm. I just knowing you for, I mean, I cannot believe we've known each other for like almost five years at this point. It's wild. But um, we are people who can very much live in gray area and we we are compassionate people who can see both sides of stories and arguments and perspectives and things like that. And this is one area of my life and I won't speak for you, but I, I know for me, I can't live in the gray. Right. I tried to live in the gray. I can't live in the gray. It's too stressful. I am too preoccupied about it. I fail in the gray area. I mm. always flip one side or the other. And I think what really got to me was that constant failure in the past, in the last few months of my drinking, it was like that constant failure of like, I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed. And I was driving myself insane, thinking that I could continue to moderate my drinking. And when I finally realized I couldn't, and I was just like, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I am done. It was this huge relief. That's not to say I didn't have to like plan ahead and figure things out and have alternatives and things like that. Still, when I get asked if I want to drink and I don't have to go through that like mental gymnastics of if I have this one now, can I have like I haven't eaten today? That what's this gonna do? You know, I don't have to go through that. And it's a weight lifted off. I think it's unrealistic for us to say that happens to everybody immediately, but at some point that relief sets in of and that freedom of. I'm not bound by that mental exercise anymore of how I'm going to hide this. Am I going to, what am I going to do? I had this already, so I should do this. Or I, you know, and people who are drug addicts or who like, I had this to drink, so I need this other substance or, Mm. or, you know, I need, I'm not on my stash as low. I need to get this. When you're free from that, when your brain energy is released from that there's so many other things you can do with that space like have a meaningful conversation with the people in front of you and oh and like do your job <laughs> like, like the number of yeah. times I so when I got sober I worked in advertising where it's like low-key approved to drink at lunch mm-hmm. or like crack a beer at four and that that's approved but what I was doing was like really not, and I was, I'm not saying I was drinking at lunch or drinking at work every day, but I was definitely finding any opportunity we could find to incorporate alcohol into our 
birthday celebrations, our fantasy football draft, our yes. Fridays, our you know, everything. And so much of my time at work was spent being like, well, okay, who's in the office today? If I go to lunch and with this person and we get margaritas at lunch, we can come back to the office, but I have this meeting. And it's like, it's pl- so much planning. And so much planning. I could have been a way better employee. And now I'm a teacher and that's like really off the table, which is great. Um, and I know that, oh my gosh, the number of times I went to work hungover when I was drinking and I was working in advertising because I could truly just zone out staring at a screen and with headphones in or go into a conference room and be like, I have a call and do nothing. Yeah. I could do that for two hours at a time, any day of the week. I have 30 tiny humans who are staring at me like, entertain me, teach me something. I don't know how you do that. That stresses me out. Asking me a zillion and a half questions every hour. It's just a reminder that that's not an option anymore. Like going to my job now hungover sounds like my actual worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. Where would I go throw up? (laughs) Like, what do I tell the kids? Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Tyler's got to go puke. You're right back. Bear me. Totally. I got a topic, but that's... Um... But it's important. Your experience. Okay, so if someone was going to Thanksgiving, what would be like your top few suggestions for them if they are newly sober or not drinking and are maybe not excited about it? Okay. What would your top piece of advice be? I always like to bring something fun for me to drink that is non-alcoholic. So, um, I have Topo Chico and always, uh, if it's like more of a part, I don't know what, I don't know what your family's doing on, uh, Thanksgiving, but mine's pretty low key. We're just watching football and like hanging out with kids. So I have Topo Chico and like LaCroix and all that kind of stuff. Um, I always keep like in the fall, winter holiday time, I always keep like a case in my car. Mm. Um, I can just like throw a few in my purse before I go in somewhere. If they're coming over to my house for Thanksgiving, I will tell them, bring what you would like to drink because I have a sober home and I do not keep alcohol in my house. I live alone. There's no reason for me to have alcohol in my house. If they want to bring alcohol, I'm fine for them to bring alcohol, but I'm not, it's not my job to supply that for them. Right. Just like it's not their job to supply non-alcoholic options for me. It's so nice and so appreciated when they do. It makes my heart flutter. Mm-hmm. But it is not their responsibility to have all sorts of different options for me. Right. Um, so I bring my own something to drink. One of my friend's dad, who is one who helped me get sober initially, he talks about the drunk wave. When the drunk wave hits, we go. Yeah. And um, so I think just talking to your family about, you know, I might just leave. When, when things get rowdy. Mm-hmm. And being mm-hmm. okay with that. And I can almost guarantee you, you're not going to miss anything exciting and, um, just like being free to go. Um, so having your own transportation or Uber or Lyft or whatever is safe in your community right now with like COVID restrictions and things like that. I always drive myself. If I'm driving anyone else, I say, I will get you there, but I will not get you home. Yeah. Um, I need to be able to leave whenever I want to leave. This is, Something I told my sponsee recently, she was going to a event and I just said, you know, if you're feeling triggered and you're feeling insecure about it, 
and no one else knows that you're not drinking, just tell one person. Mm-hmm. Just say, you know, I'm not drinking right now. And it's been a little bit hard for me. Can you help me? Yeah. And you don't have to tell them you're an alcoholic. You don't have to tell them your whole story. Just say, I'm re- trying really hard not to drink right now and I'm struggling. Could you help me? Mm. At that point, whether they're watching you or not, they might be. And, and your perception is, okay, someone else knows I'm not supposed to be drinking. It's like when I go to the, when I go to the gas station or when I go anywhere and I, there's alcohol there, like it would be so easy for me to buy booze. Mm-hmm. I don't have a stamp on my forehead or on my driver's license that says she's an alcoholic, don't sell to her. Yeah. And I'm never tempted. But sometimes I wish I had that stamp where it's just like that help and accountability. So just telling one other person, maybe your whole family knows, maybe your whole family doesn't know and they're not going to recognize, but maybe just saying to like your sister-in-law, that's what I did. That was a super cool heart and I wasn't drinking. And I just said to my sister-in-law, I'm really trying not to drink right now. And I'm struggling. Can you help me? And it works, you know, this too shall pass. Yeah. It will, it will get better. Um, you know, set yourself up for success in a lot of ways by, you know, planning ahead. Totally. Yeah. I just put together, um, like a list of like my top 10 Mm -hmm. suggested ways and you covered a lot of them. Uh, which is reassuring to me that, you know, I'm not too far off base, but But how do you game? I mean, having a game plan, having your own car, telling someone, bringing your own booze, like that's, I mean, bring your own non-booze, please don't bring your own booze. Um, Bringing your own drink um, has been really, really helpful for me um, in getting through those parties. I'm like, this might be a little bit of white knuckling. Like I might have a, have a problem here. the level setting expectations that we mm-hmm. talked about in the, in the beginning of the conversation is a huge help to me. If mm-hmm. I can just understand that it's not going to be as high, but it might not be as low. And it's just going to be that little lasagna wave. Um, I'm mm-hmm. much more likely to have a good time because mm-hmm. I'm not like waiting, waiting for it to get really fun or really rowdy. And then if it does get just genuinely fun, then I'm pleasantly surprised. But yeah, like taking your own car, having your own drink. I mean, I personally, if I'm in a situation where I don't know a bunch of people or um, it's a work function and I don't really feel comfortable telling people that I'm not drinking, having like a, a mocktail or a mm-hmm. faux drink has been really helpful for me because most of the time people won't be like, it looks like a vodka soda, but is it a vodka soda? Mm-hmm. Like, no, they don't need to know that it's just like, sniff it. Like, soda water or you know a topo chico um or like a you know i'll use like one of those small glasses and put ice in it and then put like diet coke in there and then they just might yeah exactly and they don't they don't know the difference um and if they do then i don't know they're probably one of us yeah i was about to say they might need to look at themselves if they do um but those have been really really helpful in in making sure that i have a chance to actually enjoy the party. Um, the last one that I was thinking of is get in pictures because, and one of my friends suggested this before the bachelorette party that I mentioned, because Mm -hmm. she was like, I know your friends, they are going to get rowdy and they're probably not going to remember the tail end of the night. 
So get in pictures, like maybe like, Hey guys, let's take a picture or like, let's take a selfie or whatever you end up doing so that you're in those lasting memories. So that if someone, you know, Instagram something, it's not like, where was Amanda? Oh, she was being lame and went home early. I was like, Oh no, she was right there. Mm -hmm. You know? And it doesn't like, they won't know if the picture was like on Instagram. I don't know if it was taken the early in the night or late in the night. Right. You know, it just, as long as you're, it's been helpful to me to make sure that I am in some sort of picture or documentation of the night so that when people look back, I'm not just absent from those memories. Right. You know, I'm a part of them. And when they start to lose their memory, I just like the drunk wave. I just go home. They probably won't know when you left. No, they don't care. They don't care. Um, The other thing, do you know um, who Melissa Urban is? Mm -mm. She started Whole30. Um, and she's been in recovery for lots of years. Um, and I think a lot of people don't know what to say. Um, especially if it's your first holiday with your family and, um, you just break out with like, I think I might be an alcoholic, but who knows, which is like totally my style and like who I am, but not everyone's an oversharer like Mm -hmm. that. So she just says, I'm not drinking right now. and you know, if people would like to follow up with questions, that that line is the answer to every question. I'm just not drinking right now. Why? I'm just not drinking right now. Yeah. Is it for health reasons? I'm just not drinking right now. Yeah. Are you pregnant? I'm just not drinking right now. Yeah. Like, it really does solve everything. How long are you not drinking? I'm just not drinking right now. And I've been just not drinking right now for almost five years. That it is what it is. And I just think that's such a powerful message. And she's been, she's such a great person to follow on Instagram because she lives her life. What was her name again? Melissa Urban. She also does this thing where like people who follow her on Instagram submit questions and that like they have a hard that they get that they have a hard time responding to with as far as like boundaries and she'll do like a green yellow and a red response like a green is like the kindest gentlest approach yellow is like in between and red is basically like f off i love that Um, i know i love it too Um, i follow them and i'm like oh that's great advice like especially around covid and drinking and holidays and boundaries like those boundaries are so important that's another and so hard to set but that's probably a topic for a different day yeah I'll put that on my list yeah okay well thank you so much for for hopping on and chatting with me um I hope we can do this again and I I love talking to you you're hysterical um and we didn't even get into anything funny funny today but um I love you and I love talking to you and I'm so grateful that we're doing this thing together because um the holidays, like you said, are hard, but they're easier when you're not a drunken mess. Amen, sister. And, you know, maybe another tip is just always have someone you can call. Yeah. I know that tomorrow, if I'm having trouble, I can call or text Amanda, you and mm-hmm. our, our other, you know, little cohort of sober friends. And yeah. I can text any of you or the group and someone will respond and then I won't feel alone. Yeah. So that's huge. 
you know, to know that other people are doing it too. Find your people. And I'm so glad you're one of mine. Me too. Okay. We'll talk. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Life Not Wasted podcast, click the share button and send this episode to a friend that would enjoy it. Word of mouth is the best way to help us reach new people who may need a little encouragement on their journey. Thanks again for listening, subscribing, and sharing the Life Not Wasted podcast with your people. Talk to you next time.